There was once a uh, British dramatist called uh, Frederick Lonsdale, and he was in a feud with one of his friends. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but they had quarrelled and they had never restored their friendship. And uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, another of uh, Lonsdale's friends uh, tried to persuade him to reconcile. Uh, he said to him, you must. It's, it's very unkind to be unfriendly at this time of year. Don't start uh, a new year uh, feuding with your friend. Uh, go over to him and wish him a happy new year. So Lonsdale crossed across the room and he spoke to his friend who at the moment was his enemy. And he said to him, I wish you a happy new year, but only one. That was Lonsdale's attitude towards his friend. I think we can all empathize a little bit with uh, similar feelings of bitterness and resentment. Uh, sometimes we can feel like we've been on the end of some unfair treatment or been the victim of some injustice, and it can make us very bitter and resentful towards another person who we feel has wronged us. Well, that is kind of what Asaph uh, the psalmist who wrote Psalm 73 is feeling when he wrote this psalm. Uh, except Asaph's bitterness and resentment isn't just against one individual. Uh, it's not just one person who Asaph feels wronged by. Uh, he's feeling bitter against many people. Uh, chiefly, he's bitter against who he calls the wicked. Uh, look at verse 3. Uh, Asaph says, I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Uh, he sees wicked, boastful, arrogant people, and they're prospering, and they are flourishing. He, on the other hand, is trying to serve God. As I mentioned, he is one of the leaders of worship in the uh, tabernacle uh, in uh, the time of King David. And he's diligently trying to serve God and obey him, and he's struggling in his life. Uh, he's going through trials and difficulties. Uh, look what he says in verse 13. He says, surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened, chastened every morning. Uh, he says, look at these wicked, boastful, arrogant people who couldn't care less about what God says. They're prospering. They're flourishing. Uh, everything seems good for them. And yet I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to obey him, and I'm struggling. It's hard. It's difficult. And he thinks, what's the point? What's the point of serving God if this 
is the result. But to add insult to injury, Asaph knows he has to kind of bottle all these feelings up. I don't know if you know that feeling uh, yourself, where you're feeling something, but you know you can't express it. Uh, Look at verse 15. He said, If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would, would have been untrue to the generation of your children. Uh, he's David's worship leader. He can't tell people how he's envious of the wicked. Uh, he can't express his doubts about how worthwhile being righteous is. Uh, if he did that, he would be being unfaithful to everything that he teaches, everything he stands for. So he has to stay silent. And in that silence, his resentment starts to not be just against the wicked, but against God himself. He doesn't flat out blame God, but he comes very, very close to it. He's bitter against the wicked, and he's bitter against God, who he's trying to serve. And he doesn't know what to do with this. He doesn't know what to do with these feelings that he's feeling. Look at verse 16. He says, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. He says, I don't know what to do. I feel this frustration. I feel this resentment. But I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how you're feeling at the start of this uh, new year. Uh, It's possible uh, that you might be feeling similar to Asaph. Uh, Perhaps you are struggling with uh, resentments, with frustration, uh, perhaps with anxieties about the year that's to come, and you're tempted to question God. Uh, You wonder if God is really there. I was just reading this last week of an atheist who was explaining why he was an atheist, why he didn't believe in God. And he said, the reason I'm an atheist is because God never shows up. Uh, He said, God never shows up. And perhaps you are tempted to feel that way this morning. You're seeking to serve God, you're seeking to obey him, but you only meet with obstacles and hindrances and difficulties, and you think, is it worth it? Uh, look at other people who have no time for God. They seem to be, have, have much easier lives. Uh, perhaps you are feeling like Asaph this morning. Well, fortunately, the psalm doesn't end there. Asaph continues, and we learn what he did next. Look at verse 16 again. Asaph says, When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Asaph goes into the quiet, as it were, of God's house. Uh, He pauses from all his frustrations and all his resentments and he kneels before God and he listens to him. And as he meditates before God, 
as he bows the knee to his master, he starts to see things from God's perspective. Up to this point, he's been seeing everything from his own perspective, and he's frustrated, he's resentful, he's angry even. But now the tables are turned, and he starts to see things through God's eyes. He understands that although the wicked might be prospering now, although they might be flourishing now, when he looks through God's eyes, he sees their end. Look at verse, uh, in verse 18. He says, Surely you, God, set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. He says, yes, it might be good for them now, but there is a day of accounting coming. There is a day of judgment when God will make all things new. So Asaph doesn't need to fret. He doesn't need to worry because God has it under control. But that's not the end of the sermon because that information alone can itself be discouraging. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but some sermons... Uh, are a little bit like a doctor who diagnoses a sickness but doesn't give a cure or doesn't give treatment. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a doctor like this. And you go to the doctor and they say, oh, yeah, yeah your, your guts are in knots. Uh, your, your liver, it's awful, it's dreadful. Uh, it's completely shot. Uh, all that drinking, all that eating has really caught up with you. Well, that might be true. <laughs> Uh, everything he or she says might be very accurate. And you might even agree with what they say, but that's not what you went to the doctor for only. You say next, but what can I do? What can you give me? What's the solution? And sometimes when we hear God's word, uh, and sometimes when we listen to preachers, and I've been guilty of this as much as anyone, uh, we can hear God's word tell us what the problem is, can tell us, well, it's because you're a sinner. Uh, it's because you're not thinking right. It's because you're not seeing things from the right perspective. And that can be very true. But you might think, but what can I do? This is the way my mind thinks. This is what I am feeling. What can I do about it? And that's exactly what Asaph feels in this psalm. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, Asaph understands that from God's perspective, his resentment is not right. His anxiety and his frustration is wrong because God will deal with it one day. But Asaph's resentment doesn't just go away. It simply gets redirected to another place. Look at verse 21. Asaph says, Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. That's interesting, isn't it? 
Asaph still feels resentful. He still feels frustrated, but now his frustration is against himself. He thinks, how could I be so foolish? Uh, I was like a beast before God. How could I have these feelings and this bitterness? How could I be so far from God to have these feelings of envy for the wicked? And you could say he feels more resentful and bitter than ever, although his object of resentment is perhaps a healthier one himself. He's no longer resentful at the wicked or God, but he is resentful at himself. This is where we come to the real meat of the message, the real comfort of this psalm. Because Asaph continues again, verse 23, he says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Nevertheless is a lovely word. Uh, I don't know how often you use it. Uh, But the word nevertheless means that although this and this and this is true, something else is true as well. Uh, Although Asaph is frustrated, although he is bitter... Although he acknowledges that he is foolish and he shouldn't be feeling the way he is feeling, nevertheless, even though all those things are true, he says, God is still with me. God still holds me by my right hand. He's not saying his foolishness is okay. He's not saying it doesn't matter that he is feeling the way he's feeling. What he's saying is that feeling he experiences, that resentment, that wrong frustration he feels, is not the end of the story. That doesn't define his relationship with God. Although he's feeling things he shouldn't be feeling, although he's thinking things he should not be thinking, nevertheless, he is still God's child. That's true for us as well. We are weak. We are foolish. We often feel and think things we shouldn't feel or think. Nevertheless, if we are God's child, if we are a part of his family, if our trust is in him, then he is still with us. Notice how Asaph says there that God holds me by my right hand. And you could say that Jesus is God's right hand. Uh, We've just been celebrating over Christmas time how God stepped into this world. And God didn't come to people who deserved it. God didn't come to people who who had earned his forgiveness He came to people who did not deserve it. He came to people, in short, like you and like me. And if you ever doubt God's love, if you ever doubt God's mercy, uh, just look at Jesus. Uh, Look 
how he came into this sin-sick world, into this dark world, to save sinners. That's what Jesus said, wasn't it? Uh, Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. And that is what Asaph realizes towards the end of this psalm. He says to God, yes, I'm sick. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I am bitter and frustrated. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hands. Did you notice what verse 26 says? Verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Asaph says, My flesh and my heart fail. My flesh is weak, uh, my heart wants things it shouldn't want, and it thinks things it shouldn't think, but God is my strength. Not my flesh, not my sinful heart, but God. He is my portion forever. So despite his weakness and foolishness, Asaph doesn't give up. Instead, he clings more closely to God. His sin doesn't lead him to run from God. His sin causes him to cling all the more closely. Look at verse 27. He says, For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God. Asaph acknowledges his weakness, but he says, because I'm so weak, I need God all the more. I must walk with him. That's the message for all of us uh, at the start of this new year. Uh, It's a time uh, of freshness, of of newness, or at least it can be. Uh, Are you going to cling to God this year? Are you going to walk closer with him? Uh, Walking with God does not guarantee uh, that no trouble will come into your life. Uh, In fact, walking closely with God can bring more trouble into your life. That's what Asaph himself experienced. But remember this, not walking with God is no guarantee that you will have a trouble-free life. Far from it. And not walking with God guarantees that your end will be catastrophic. Uh, Walking with God doesn't remove all your burdens, but it will make your burdens easier to bear. You have the testimony of hundreds, thousands, millions of people who can testify to that. Walking with God does not remove your burdens but it does make your burdens easier to bear. So when we're weak, uh, when we get scared, when we get anxious, when we are frustrated and resentful, don't flee from Christ. Run to him. Uh, I shared uh, this poem at the prayer meeting on Tuesday, but I wanted to share it again. In 1939, uh, at the start of the uh, Second World War, or 
at the start of the Second World War as far as uh, the UK was concerned. Uh, George VI uh, gave his Christmas message and in his Christmas message he read a poem and it was a poem to comfort people who did not know what the future held. Uh, they had just begun this war and they did not know what was going to happen next. But in his Christmas speech, uh, George VI read this poem. And the poem reads, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God trod gladly into the night and he led me towards the hills and the breaking of day in the lone east. So often we think what we need is answers and solutions. When we're faced with a problem or when we're faced with an anxiety, we want to know that it won't happen. We want to have a solution to the problem. But God doesn't always give that to us. Sometimes he says, no, walk into the night. Walk into the darkness. But put your hand in mine, and that will be better to you than a known light. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to understand and uh, know what is going to happen in the year ahead. All we need to do is put our trust and our faith firmly in him, and we can be sure he will guide us in the best path. And that will bring greater peace. That will bring greater security than all the other answers in the world. And with those thoughts in mind, and before we come to the Lord's table, I want us to sing uh, a hymn which really is just that message in song form. It's number 746 in your hymn books. And uh, this hymn written by Katharina von Schlegel uh, reads, Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. So let's stand to sing 746. <laughs> 